It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday october 10th and you're listening to episode 541 as always i am your host jason here today joined by regular co-host raven mckenzie and game designer clarence simpson hey how y'all doing doing great mm-hmm. glad to be here yeah it's awesome to have you here for the first time clarence it's good to have you back as always raven happy to be here so what have you been up to what have you two been up to lately uh i know raven you did not make it to gen con did you clarence make it to gen no. con or no no nope? didn't, okay. didn't go to gen con did you go jason i did i had like a whirlwind tour of like i was there for 50 hours so oh, wow. I went, in on, went in on thursday afternoon left on sunday afternoon so i had one important meeting um and uh had some demos to run for Tiernanog, uh, the game we have coming out with grand gamers guild that isaac and i designed and uh yeah and so i that was it i came in i did those demos i had an important meeting and then i left <laughs> and i bought i bought not as many games as i thought i would after being gone for three years so for two years so yeah i was impressed with myself for not buying too many games <laughs> Any, anything you were really excited about yeah, the um the two my two favorite games I think I picked up were Block Ness, uh, which oh, if yeah. you haven't seen yep. that is it's it, the table presence on that game is fantastic. It's uh Raven if you haven't seen it it's like Block Ness monsters, um uh, uh-huh. but it's like three D like like snake bodies coming out of the water like in these different oh. like kind of like upside down U shapes, um okay. and you're putting them in pegs on the board like in peg holes on the board so that you can try to get over each other and basically you want to end up with the longest Loch Ness monster um but the rules are like dead simple um the whole game is literally the box which the board fits in and the and the plastic pieces that's it there's no cards there's no dice there's nothing and uh it it plays well with two three and four uh and my family loves it so and it was like 20 bucks it was great it was a blue orange game I can't um, that. And then Downtown Farmer's Market was another Blue Orange game that I I went to the booth to find Downtown Farmer's Market. And uh, then I saw Black Nets and was like, oh, I must own this. <laughs> so and, Black, and Downtown Farmer's Market, which is really fun. It's a lot like Point Salad, except for the uh, the score, the the kind of the um, the rules that earn you points don't change throughout the game. Whereas in Point Salad, they can change in this. They stay the same. Um, it's really thinky for being such a small, cute little game with fun artwork, but, uh, yeah, yeah. That was only 15 bucks. It was, uh, good stuff they had there. Yeah. Those are my big, my big excitements of Gen Con. Nice. Well, if you weren't at Gen Con, what have you two been doing, uh, game wise of late? Uh, I, I don't actually get to play tons of games these days. Uh, I was recently playing, um, unlock kids with uh with mm, my kids mm-hmm. there's like yeah. the kids kids version of unlock um and so it's like a, a simpler kind of still an escape room experience and my kids have been enjoying that um i think that it's pretty like pretty fun. well done yeah i think i'd be better at those too the kids versions i probably <laughs> i might stand a chance of, of making it out of there <laughs> No, I hear you. I uh, it's funny. I played a couple of exit games with different family members and different mm-hmm. uh, friends, and with my significant other. And he plays games, but I think he plays them because he knows I like them more so than that he likes playing the games. And we did one exit, and he happened to so have the sequel to it. Someone happened to buy it for him. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You can hold on to this one and let me know how the the end is." <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I, you know, I I like obviously I play a lot of games. I've played a lot of strategy games. You know, I'm I like to think that I'm clever. Uh I watch when I watch movies and TV shows, I always feel like I'm ahead of like the curve, like figuring out what's gonna happen. But boy, you put me in one of those unlock uh games or like an exit game or an escape room, and I just forget all of those things and just <laughs> nope i'm i'm awful i enjoy them but i'm just so bad at them um yeah so so unlock kids i'm gonna have to look that up (laughs) right up my alley i feel like i my kids would be like ted you're so smart and i'd be like trying to figure it out 
Um, you two, uh, you two been working on a game together, correct? That is true. Yeah, that is true. So yeah, I think we might might brush on that during the topic a bit. I believe as we talk, that might come yeah. out. Yeah, cool. we can talk a, a little bit. About, I feel like that's something we've been. It's been almost what every week for the last couple of weeks. We've been doing a little something on it. Uh, something like that. Yeah. After nice, nice. a little hiatus, but you know. yeah, <laughs> right, right. Because Raven, I remember you talking about the game a good amount of time back when you were first working on it. Maybe, um, Mar. When did we start working on this game? Oh, geez. Um, I feel like it, I, I feel like it might be close to a year. Like since our first conversations about it at this point. Okay. That could be true. I feel like we'd have that to go. Time flies when you're working on a game, especially doing it at a distance. You know, like once or twice a week. Like it really, yeah. you're like, how have you been working on this game for so long? Right. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. If you want to talk, if you want to talk a little bit about it, I would love that. If you're interested in that. Yeah, it, Horns of Harlem. Um, it is a. Um, well, usually I feel like I'd say a worker placement. I'm like, wait, nope, it's not really <laughs> that anymore. <laughs> um, but it is a two to four player game set in Harlem in the 1920s-ish um, where you are building uh, a band, um, you're hiring musicians, you're playing at different venues across Harlem. Um, gaining influence, uh, different types of influence, be it with uh, fellow musicians or just in town or when it comes to recording. Um, and so the goal is to you know have the the become a pro. Start everyone starts off as an amateur, and you want to make your band into a, a professional band. Um, and there's some set collection involved with the gigs, uh, and then of course victory points uh involved with recordings and, and some of the gigs as well um <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you covered it, it it's it's funny I, I i saw you or heard you hesitate about the worker placement thing because that's, that's something we've just been recently discussing like it's been a mm-hmm. worker placement game for a while yes. and just recently <laughs> we were like is this a worker placement game <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know that may be that may be changing uh in the yeah. near future yeah, I, your comment about that of like, it's a work. Well, I mean, it really reminds me of like those issues I feel like all designers have when you've worked on, you know, several iterations of a game. And like you go back and you're trying to talk about the game and you're thinking about those several iterations and like trying to remember that your playtesters are only aware of like the current version of the game, likely. <laughs> and so that's, uh, I, I, we were, I was working on a game a while back with somebody and I was like, this is just getting too complex. We've got this, this, and this. And they're like, we only have like three of those five things or three of those five things you just mentioned, because like we've cut the other things. Like you have to remember, they don't know about the, and they're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> It just gets, you know, it gets stuck in there. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially when they've been there for a long time. Once it's removed, it's like, it's, it's it can be hard to separate it. If it's been a part of the game for since almost inception, I want to say it's been, yeah, because at PAX, I guess it has been because we we brought a physical, the first physical playtest what happened at PAX mm-hmm. this past year, um, and there was definitely that worker placement aspect mm-hmm. was, was there. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a really fun theme too, um, really interesting. It's exciting. I can't wait for the artwork. If and whenever we get to that point, um, I, I just feel like between the the board itself and then the different musicians, um, especially because Clarence had the great idea to, with the musicians, there are some that are like cheerleaders and they kind of bring up the morale in your group. And there are some that mm-hmm. are like arrogant and then there are some that are detested essentially that negatively impact your morale. And wow. so like the facial expressions, I'm sure are gonna like, just some of the haughtiest and also just like, you know, holier than that musicians and then some really chill ones too. Like, I think that'll be cool to see that. I love that. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, well that talking about the theme of that makes me think about our topic that Clarence is going to introduce here. Um, that is about theme in a big way, in multiple ways. 
But uh, Clarence, I'll let you uh, kick us off with that. If you'd like. Sure. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about uh, locking your game into its theme, or uh, another way to think about it might be uh, striving for the opposite of thematic dissonance, if you've ever heard of uh, that idea. Um, thematic consonance, if you will. Um, so, but I guess to talk about this first, we need to talk about what thematic dissonance is, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. or ludonarrative dissonance, if you want to sound a little more academic about it. I mean, uh, <laughs> thematic dissonance already sounded kind of academic, but you can say ludonarrative. That's cool. cool. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, so the, the idea came from video games, but, uh, it's using board games as well. And it's basically when the narrative that a game is telling, uh, telling you through its theme and story conflicts with the narrative that it's telling you through its mechanical systems. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. it's basically, it's like if the thing you're being told to do thematically doesn't feel like the thing you're being told to do mechanically. Uh, mm-hmm. And that can sometimes be a problem, though not always. Uh, and it can make you know players feel like something's off, even if they can't really explain why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so like one good example of... of thematic dissonance for me that I, I always think about is a is a game called android i don't know if you've ever seen this or heard of it it's a fantasy flight game uh if you know android netrunner android was the mm-hmm. kind of the originator of that whole universe that oh it, okay uh, that it comes from so it's like you know fa- fantasy flight production like really great looking stuff it's dripping with this cyberpunk theme um and thematically you're a detective solving a, a murder and you've got a list of uh, suspects that you're trying to, to figure out, right? And so it sounds a little bit like Clue up front and might already put you in this Clue mindset. But uh, during setup, unlike Clue, the, the murderer is not predetermined, right? You have mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. idea who the murderer is. But each investigator is given like these random hunch cards, which um, they determine who your character thinks is guilty or innocent. Um which is random. And then over time, you, your investigators end up finding evidence. And then each piece of evidence has a number on it that will make the associated suspect either more or less likely to be guilty. But then you, as the as the player, choose which suspect each piece of evidence is assigned to. So it's really kind of more of a bluffing mechanic than like trying to do any deduction or anything like that. And it feels more like you're planting evidence yeah. on suspects trying to frame <laughs> right. them rather than being an investigator. So, uh, nice. like, this is a game I, I just, I really wanted to to love, and for multiple reasons, and including that, I ended up just hating. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, yeah, that's bad. Like, I, I have a couple examples, but, like, they're not that strong. Um, That's, like, that, yeah, that is a really good explanation, I think, of it. Um, The two that popped into my head, I can't remember what the one game is. It might be, like, Artifacts, Inc., or something like that, or it's um it's a game um uh where you are like going in and you're basically the cover of the game sells that you're indiana jones like you're gonna you're gonna go into these places you're gonna do these things um and then like that's not the game like that is what you're doing in the game Mm -hmm. um but that's not like what you're actually it doesn't feel like that's what you're doing so like it it feels very like like I don't, I'm not sure. Like, it's not, it's not boring. Like if it was a different theme, it would have been totally cool. But that theme, like it just, I guess it felt very academic uh, for a game that it was, it was like, I want to be Indiana Jones in the field, but I feel like Indiana Jones in the classroom. <laughs> like, right. um, and that's not what it was supposed to be. I mean, like the theme I think was, was pushing you towards like these adventures, but it was like, I've got this stuff and now we're going to go do a dig. Like, and that's just not like, that's not what it, what it was sold as. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other one, and this is probably a super unpopular opinion, uh, but the other one is Sentinels in the Multiverse, um, which I actually, I, I know it's a hugely popular while selling game. And I, I don't think that it's a, that it's a bad game, but like the, my biggest critique of that game is every time I've played that game, I could not feel less like a superhero. Mm-hmm. Like, because I just don't feel like the things that I'm allowed to do, you know, on your turn, basically you play one card, right? So like it gets to me and I've got all these cool things and then I play one card, like, and then it goes to the next person. And I'm like, I don't feel very super. Right. And then like that. So Sentinels has been out for a long time. 
Uh, and then Marvel United came out and like that for me clicked. Like I feel like a superhero when I play this game, like I can do all these things. Like there's all this like working with your teammates and like they, they provide you with actions and you, you know, it's like teamwork and you get through this and like that feel was the feeling I was looking for. Right. Even though essentially you're doing the same thing in both those games, your superheroes fighting a supervillain and they're both mechanically sound, but one of them, the theme really, I felt it in the theme, you know? So those are my two things that pop in the head. Raven, are there any games that jump up for you specifically? Um, you know, I was looking through the games that I have here as we were, once we settled on this topic to see if there are any I played that I felt like, you know, this doesn't feel quite right when I play it. Um, and honestly, it could be because I only purchase games and I am. I was going to say, they are games you own, so that's good. If you really right. Like it probably wasn't the best place to look for an example. Um, but there was one that I kind of felt off about, um, which I haven't played it in a while now. So maybe I need to revisit it. Maybe I just budged on a rule somewhere or something. But I guess it's compared to other medical games. It just didn't seem to involve some of the, like, uh, I've played, what was it? Oh, Dice Hospital several times now. And that mm-hmm. one, like, I always almost get amped up after that game just because it's like I can't let any of my people die. This is all a very serious thing. But then there's a, it's a small box game. Um, I think Doctor Doctor, I want to say, is the title. Um, and after playing that game, I was just like, eh, okay. I mean, you know, things are happening, but I didn't right, feel right. the same kind of urgency and, you know, can't let these people die sort of thing from that game that I fell from. Like, Dice Hospital, I feel like I was in it, which I really want to play. That's a dexterity game, isn't it? Nope, just dice. Um, there's uh, just dice drafting mainly and, and assigning. And Doctor Doctor, or are you talking about Dice Hospital? Dice Hospital. Okay, you know Doctor Doctor is the one that's a dexterity game, right? You're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, funny, funny story. It's okay because he never listens to this. But Rob Couch, the former co-host of the show, actually designed that game. (laughs) 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 This part out. (laughs) Um, It's funny because that. um, I'm trying to remember if the theme was originally. Yeah, the original theme of the game was sillier than that, if I recall correctly. Oh. It was like something surgery or something, but it was meant to be very, very like, like it was, it was like operation basically, right? But like mm-hmm. with a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he he would not he would not be opposed to that criticism at all. So <laughs> I just cracked me up because I was you said Doctor Doctor like why do I know that game? <laughs> yeah, Rob designed that. That's funny um but yeah 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 so that is i think with dexterity games too like there's a decent shot at that if you're trying to go with a theme that doesn't feel you know like i don't know dexterity games have a certain feel right mm-hmm. like in in if I, I don't know maybe i'm wrong but um yeah so all right so cog- uh, cognitive dissonance no that is a problem too a uh, very big problem <laughs> Uh, but uh, thematic dissonance. So I think we've got that. So yeah, do you have more specific thoughts on that? Like on how to avoid that or? Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, so I think usually when um, we, we've heard people talk about thematic dissonance in the context of board games, like it's it's usually talking about things like player immersion or like we talked a little bit about delivering kind of on the promise of a game's mm-hmm. pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, uh, a little bit about ease of play, right? Because um, mm. dissonance can make it harder to remember rules. Yes, yes. And, you know, if your players are constantly having to refresh themselves on the rules, it might just be another reason your game doesn't hit the table, right? So mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. there's definitely reasons to want to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also an interesting kind of um, middle ground between uh, avoiding the the thematic dissonance and like going all the way to achieving uh, a thematic consonance, like locking your theme in. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there there might be the uh, some games where you avoid those those bad feelings, but don't quite feel locked in either. Um, 
And so like uh, an example of that might be the game uh, Silver and Gold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep. Real simple, roll and write. And it's nominally about, or flip and write rather, nominally yep. about hunting for treasure on islands, yep. right? And yep. the, but the theme is really just barely there. It's kind of... Absolutely, yeah, yep. Right, it's only like mentioned in the rule book uh, in like what the component names are and stuff like that. Right. Um, but if you sit there and you think about the theme, you might be like why am I digging in polyomino patterns? Or like, I see a coin over there. How am I searching for the treasure? I already know where, where it's at, you know? Right, right, right. Um, Fun, the, uh, what's funny about that game is that is actually one of my absolute favorite and right games. Uh-huh. But you're, I totally agree with you on the theme. I also would argue that the name is confusing because when it was called Silver and Gold, I actually, without seeing the game, I thought it was like a Christmas game or something. I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. this is really confused. Like... <laughs> And then I was like, "Oh, I love this game," but you're right. The theme is is very tacked on. Like right. So yeah, to to yeah. me, that feels a little bit like a middle ground because uh, you you don't really need to think about the theme too much to to mm-hmm. play the game. Right. Um. But it's also the kind of thing where I could easily imagine ways to retheme it as something else. Right. Yeah. That actually so, did was a little more meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that one doesn't feel like it's it's locked in into its theme in that that same way. Um, or uh, another example is like uh, Lords of Waterdeep, right? So um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a D and D themed worker placement game where you're recruiting teams of adventurers, like rogues and fighters and clerics and wizards, um, to do these quests because each quest needs a different kind of composition of team. But it's it's really just different color cubes. Like they could be any kind of resource they could be the, the quest could be anything it's just like contract fulfillment right. even though it, it makes sense and it doesn't really the theme doesn't really get in the way i could also think of of ways to to retheme it one of the things i want to call out that you said that really really struck me is that the um the whole piece around the fact that when you have a poorly attached theme whether it's you know, like if, if it's anywhere below that middle ground, it really does make the game harder to learn and harder to remember. Like, and I think a lot of people don't think about that. Like as one of the reasons why theme and mechanics are, are so important and why if you have an abstract game, like the rules have to like, even though there's no theme attached to it, right? Like the rules still have to feel like they fit with what you're doing or in the mechanics. I mean, um, because it really does make it hard to remember when you're like, why, why am I doing this? Like, you know, um, so yeah, I, I'm glad you called that out. Cause that to me is, is, uh, was something on my list of things I wanted to say. So I'm glad right. that I'm not the only one that feels that way. <laughs> oh, and that, what you mentioned about, um, silver and gold, that made me think of, um, just that whole, the way that the cards are, um, what's that game um oh dollars dollars to donuts um uh-huh. one of my half of my collection i feel like is based on food games uh this is one of the ones that i like a lot but i mean the mechanics of it when you to to bake quote-unquote a donut you're putting tiles together and matching the right shapes or you're matching the wrong shapes to get money instead to use to buy things um to then fulfill different customer orders with either the donuts you've made or yeah, and then the money is, is separate for purchasing other things. But in terms of baking and then also giving those baked goods to customers, it's not the most straightforward thing that you would think about when it comes to, like, this is the the, the sequence of events. But mm-hmm. because it's, like, match things and you get the donut, don't match things and you get the money, it's easy-ish to follow. And so you can kind of get into the swing of it. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, like, not quite what I would expect from the first play, but I'm like, but I, it makes sense. And so it's, it's an easy. Uh, yeah. Thing. I think there's definitely a, a, a point where games can be mechanically simple and it, intuitive enough without needing the theme mm-hmm. that can kind of like hit this, this middle ground okay. um, where I, I don't know the, the game that came to mind was five minute dungeon. If you've ever played that, it's like this real time game where you've got, uh, going through a dungeon, there, you have these fantasy um, heroes co-op game, and you're play- You're basically matching icons. There's like jump, magic, sword, and arrow icons to all these monsters and obstacles that come in your way. And if you you know think about it, why do I need 
uh, one jump and two magic and one arrow to get past this goblin. I don't know, but everything's going so fast, and all I'm doing is matching icons. So it's it's right. Fun. You can't think about that. You kind of match these icons real fast. <laughs> it is it is really interesting because like, why not make a game like that? I mean, I, this is a I know I know what my answer to this question is, but like, why not make a game like that? Just an abstract game. You've got five minutes to match these shapes, and I think I think. Correct me if you disagree, but I think that the answer is because the game will sell a lot better if it's called Five Minute Dungeon instead of Five Minute Shape Matcher. Um, <laughs> even though essentially it's the exact same thing, right? They yeah. just make it feel more fun by yeah. making you, you know, want to do it. Five Minute Dungeon, I I've never played because I saw it and sound felt real excited about it, and then realized it was a real time game, which I should have known because it's literally has time in the title. Uh, and I'm just not a huge fan of real time stuff because I'm just really bad at it um, and I find it anxiety inducing. So, um, yeah, but but it is interesting, like the excuse of putting theme on is really just so many times about like, how can I sell copies because people will want a theme? Um, yeah. So sorry to interrupt there. I just that. <laughs> something i thought was worth mentioning no that, that was that's all I, I had to say um so so what that does give me like what I, before we get into like you know the idea of like um of thematic connaissance um where do you fall on the like do you enjoy abstract games like like or are you the, i need a game with a theme that matches I'm just curious kind of because this is, you know, that's part of it too, right? Is games just have no theme. Right. I mean, I, there are definitely uh, abstract games that I've enjoyed. I, I really liked um, like recently uh, Shobu and um, uh, Onitama, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, they're. But even Onitama has, I mean has a theme to it right that's I mean, fair. it's not yeah, like yeah. pure abstract and i would actually argue that i feel like the theme fits decently well right because you're doing these moves which explains the way you're moving right mm -hmm. i mean it's i guess it's you know it's tighter than like i'm using these polyamino shapes to dig for gold <laughs> but i mean <laughs> some of these problems we're talking about with with thematic dissonance like how <laughs> how do you overcome those things when you don't have a theme right because there's no thematic dissonance but when we talk about things like you know remembering rules and things like that like how do do you feel like abstract games are like you know they're just scot-free of that problem or like it, do you get what i'm trying to ask i'm really having a hard time putting it into actual words right but i mean I, in I, my think, head. <laughs> I think abstract games uh, you know, tend to have much less uh, complexity in their rule sets, right? Like they usually That's get, fair. Yeah. you can teach them in a couple minutes. Um, so there's less to remember. Once you start getting into more complexity, more rules, more things to remember, theme can can help a lot with that. Right. Mm -hmm. I was thinking mm -hmm. about um, Azul, that one, I mean especially depending on what player board you decide to use, it can be pretty straightforward or you can add a hint of another layer by using the, you know, open board, but it's still the, the theme that it's tied to is so, I think it's like mentioned in the rules and on the back maybe that it's about Portuguese state, Portuguese buildings. The setting, the theme. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, it's really... I think it does give them more wiggle room, I guess, than games that are not, uh, that are more married to a theme in the mechanics mm -hmm. and the, the visual. Uh, but um, it's definitely not a, I, I wouldn't say it's like a free pass. It could still be, the mechanics are still kind of important to some degree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, obviously, like I was trying to think about like, where my exact feelings lie on that like and i i was thinking about any games i've designed that have kind of are abstract type games are always party games because i feel like that's where it matters the least you know like be, mm -hmm. just because it's a party game right i mean like the goal is to be silly and have fun 
Like you don't have to have a theme necessarily to make that happen. Um, but, but on the other side of it, like I have way more respect for, for a themeless game than a game with a pasted on theme that was made to sell copies and, and maybe doesn't feel like it fits. You know? Because at least, at least you're being honest and saying there's no theme here. Like you're just, you're just, it's a rule set. It's fun. Just play it, you know, but I'm not going to pretend you're, you know, crawling through a dungeon. This is just symbol match for the game. So, right. I'm not speaking of the dungeon. I wonder too if like um, wait because you mentioned five minute dungeon. That's a relatively like I mean I'm sure it's more than five minutes, but like it's a pretty short game, and so maybe you don't have enough time to process, like you said. But if it's if five minute dungeon was hour long dungeon, it might be a, a bit of a different sixty minute dungeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just thinking of all the 20 to 30 minute dungeon (laughs) i would actually try that game like that's the perfect length of a game for me so um but i mean i think about games like i was trying to think through games i have that are abstract and and again i have some party games but like i was trying to think of a non-party game and quirkle came to mind i got quirkle at like a yard sale one time for like two bucks and it was still sealed um so I've got it. We've played it a few times and like I enjoyed when we played it, but I don't tend to go back to it. And I don't know if I don't tend to go back to it because I just think it's okay. Or because the theme doesn't attract me back to it. Cause there's no theme. It's just shapes on tiles. Hmm. That's a good one to bring on. Cause I, I feel very similarly, similarly or played it. And it's been fun when I've played it, but I would never say, hey, let's let's play Quirkle. I, I'd rather, you know. Woo! <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a crazy night. Uh, it's going to be a bunko party. What? <laughs> yeah. That theme, I think, in, in combination with, it, as long as the mechanics and stuff fit, I feel like that's usually what pulls me back to a game more so than, mm-hmm. um, than anything else. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I think for me, theme is the biggest thing that can make me want to play a game or make me not want to play a game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one of my one of the games that I love to pick on um, is Century Spice Road um, because I, I truly believe that game should just be like trading cubes, the game, because like literally the mechanics do not, I mean, the theme does not matter. It actually made me angry when I played the game. <laughs> um because i just was trading cubes for cubes and i was like this should just be trade cubes for cubes like this is this could be euro the euro game like that would <laughs> so yeah so I, I do i mean i i'm uh i i get pretty upset about theme sometimes but it's funny you mentioned that one because the first century game i played was golem edition uh and that mm-hmm. one because it's gemstones mm-hmm. for some reason that i was like okay it makes sense that this one whatever you know sapphire is worth more than right diamond right or whatever. right and i think had i had played i still haven't today played spice road the, the original one mm-hmm. had i played that one first i might have felt differently about it and i don't know that i would have right. continued on with uh uh liking that the golem edition right right i've consistently heard that the golem edition is if you like if you care about theme that the golem edition is the one to play um i do one game i think that i'm curious if either of you have played have you either of you played splendor (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh do you why are you both laughing is that like a dumb question or what i uh, it's a popular game. I don't know. <laughs> no. I mean, I wasn't saying like, have you heard of Splendor? I was saying like, have you played <laughs> Splendor? But no, I was asking because like, we're, like Clarence, where would you say that you think that falls on the theme scale? Of oh, like, man. yeah, I mean, that's <sighs> it, it, it. When I'm playing, I'm definitely not thinking about the theme at all. It's it's mm-hmm. matching. Are you just thinking about how nice those tokens feel? Because those tokens are real nice. <laughs> I've never actually played it, uh, the, like the physical version. Of oh, it. really? Yeah. Well, the best part okay. is clacking those tokens in your hand as you wait. For oh it. my gosh, they're so nice. So that is, those are maybe the best tokens I've ever seen in a like in a in a game. They're mm-hmm. just so heavy and nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was just curious, like 
so yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say that I think about the theme. I probably think about it more than you do if I'm playing physically because, um, physically because, you know, you're looking at the tokens, right? You, you're picking them up, you're moving them around. Right. Um, but they came out with the Marvel Splendor version and that Ooh. has some better mechanics in it, I think. But also like the theme is much more exciting to me because it's something I'm excited about, right? Like, mm-hmm. like in the, in the, um, the gems are infinity stones, which is cool because it's like something that I think is fun and cool. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, other people may not agree with that. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. I like to think of um, Love Letter and how the original one came out and now they have at least, I don't know how many licensed versions. 700. Of- it's like just behind <laughs> Munchkin. Like- yes, very similar. Um, Flux, I think, also has several. Yes, thousands. Thousands yeah. versions of Flux. <laughs> so uh, as for those, I mean, the, the rules are, Flux in particular, the rules are changing depending on what version you have right so, right um since it's a card game with rules i guess depending on you know people usually buy whichever theme it's makes it's going to hit their table the most i guess and mm-hmm. it'll, it'll make sense to them but so i think love letter is a really good example of that because i personally think that the original theme to love letter fit pretty well right you mm-hmm. have one character you play that's a character who is holding a letter trying to get it to the princess. Um, and uh, I, I felt like that made a lot of sense. But I, I think when you think about all the other ones, like, I don't, I don't know what the, like what the idea is. I know there's a, like a Batman version of it or something. And like, I don't, I don't think Batman sending, I mean, maybe the Joker like sent a love letter to Batman and like, you're trying to get it. Like that does seem plausible. Or maybe it like it explodes or something when he gets it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think rethemes like that are cool as long as they are fitting, you know, the overall, you know, the, they're doing justice to the game and not just, just a license to print money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Agreed. So, uh, so let's talk about, um, about, um, thematic con, uh, consonants then. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, so I, I think the, 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 the other end of the spectrum, the thematic consonants is, particularly important to people like us who are independent board game designers that plan to pitch designs to publishers Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's it's a way to protect your your game's theme potentially right Mm -hmm. um if you if you strive to uh you know design your mechanics that are that are so tightly woven into your your theme that a publisher can't just slap a new one on there without a major redesign um you know that can be something you might want to think about when you're particularly uh particularly attached to a theme and don't want to mm-hmm. worry about a publisher maybe changing it one day mm-hmm. um so uh yeah i mean I, I think that's that's definitely something that it can be worth striving for at times um one example of this that, that comes to mind is uh flashpoint fire rescue Mm-hmm. if you've yeah. ever played yeah. that right you're, you're playing firefighters you're on a grid with this house that's burning down you got smoke and fire all over the place you're smashing down walls you're pulling out victims and and all this kind of stuff and i i can't imagine any other way that could that could be themed that feels Mm -hmm. totally locked in to its theme the mechanics do Mm -hmm. that's a really good that's a really good example i it's funny because like i i actually am struggling to think of a game where i feel that way about the you know where because i love theme but i'm trying to think of a game where i'm like yep this is it like this is the only thing this could be (laughs) um and i don't know i'm i'm coming up empty on that Um, it's like the holy girl kind of thing like where it fits in so well the theme and the mechanics match but mm -hmm. similarly yeah i Mm -hmm. It's tough. Yeah. Do you have any other examples, Clarence? Or no, is that literally uh, like the only game that fits that? Well, I mean, I had originally said Pandemic. Uh, I had thought about saying Pandemic, although I don't know, because I know there's all these other versions of Pandemic now, so I don't mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. what they do or what they change or whatever. But, uh, you know, like the, in the original Pandemic, the cubes all repl- replicate like a virus replicates, right? Like they spread to neighboring locations. Mm-hmm. And, yep, and like yep. the, the whole mechanic of... Um, 
you know, taking your discard pile, shuffling that and just slapping it on the top, right? Like when, when Pandemic came out, that was a crazy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it makes a lot of sense with the, the theme because, you know, the places that are already infected are more likely to be reinfected. That helps you remember to do that kind of thing. Um, and I, I struggle to think of other ways to that that could be uh, themed, right? Like I know there's um, like Defenders of the Realm was a, a sort of pandemic-like game mm-hmm. that was themed around like, uh, you know, fantasy world with all these um, monsters coming in to your your castle or whatever um but even then like they had to change things for that like things didn't uh spread to other locations like the the disease cubes in pandemic Mm -hmm. even though it very Mm -hmm. clearly felt inspired by pandemic interesting interesting yeah i I still can't think of a game <laughs> that like makes me like, yep, this is it. Um, I, I don't know if it's the, like, it's just funny. Cause like being so in a theme, like you would think the types of games that I play would fit that, but I guess, mm. I guess not. So I guess oh. I'm just the guy who likes the middle, like we're the middle ground where like, it feels <laughs> like, you know, almost, but not quite there. Right. Right. And I, I don't know that I've designed a game where the theme is like inextricable from, from the mechanics like i i think they're always i try to justify any mechanic i have back to the theme like i'm doing this does that make sense for the theme um like is there a rationale for that and if there's not then that's a problem um and maybe you know another theme should be considered but like if there is i usually feel like that's that's good enough um but i I do have a a kind of a, a counter question to what you said before about you know the idea that you make it so tight that the publisher couldn't say, you know, let's, um, let's, uh, try, uh, let's try this, uh, with a different theme, but like, how do you feel about the idea that that also very much could limit Mm -hmm. the publishers who are interested in your game based on the theme? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's true. I think that's up to the you know the individual designer about if mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how strongly they feel about their theme, right? Like if right, like uh, for Raven and I with Horns of Harlem, like we feel very strongly about that being set in the you know Harlem Renaissance and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. that's definitely a goal of ours is to give as you know few opportunities for a publisher to want to to retheme that as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. But there's yes. there's also been other games where like, yeah, I, I kind of put a theme on it and it works. But if you want to retheme it, I don't I don't care. That's fine. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I've had games where like, you know, um, there's a game I have that still isn't published that um that I actually need to get back to that I co-designed with Neil Roberts. Um, and the name of the game is Compulsed, and it's a near abstract game, right? Like it's nearly abstract. But it's very it's um, it's built around um, uh, different facets of having obsessive compulsive disorder, um, which which I have. So it's why it's important to me. But like, really, what you're doing in the game is you're putting numbers in order. Right. You put numbers in order and then you follow these inane abstract rules like and and as I talk about it, I realize that, like, obviously, the theme is somewhat flexible because it's abstract. But like that understanding of like what this actually all means right like to have that as a part of the game is important to me um and if somebody was like i want to make this a silly game about this other thing i'd be like yeah no i i don't want to work with you on this then um i honestly think my biggest fear with themes and publishers is that they'll change it to something that i'm uncomfortable with right Mm -hmm. um and i i know that i've had like publishers where i've had that conversation like i would be comfortable with this or this but not that right like when they're going through ideas of what a game could be um and some of that's personal preference and some of that's just you know like not wanting your name attached to certain things Mm -hmm. um and luckily i've never had it actually happen to where it was like hey okay fine then do my game without me like i don't want my name on the box that's not happening but that's something when you work with like some of the mass market publishers that we've talked to for some of the games like that's always a concern that I have, like, is like once they sign a game, like technically they can do whatever they want with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that if you make the theme super tight, um, they're very less likely to do that, but they also could do it. And now you have a game where the theme is feels slapped on, even though it was super tight. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I, I think that's not super likely. And I, I agree with you that if you are passionate about a theme, that is something you need to be absolutely clear with to publishers. And, and there's nothing wrong with having a game not get published because you, because you don't, you know, because you're concerned that a theme goes a certain way you know if, if you went to someone and you said i've got this horns of harlem game and we're really you know this is important to us and and they're like oh no we're going to change this other thing but the mechanics will still be fine with it like at that point it doesn't even matter about the theme and the mechanics working what matters is that you care about the theme and mm -hmm. you want the theme out there to be done well and theoretically would seek a publisher that would understand that and do a good job with that right 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 and yeah like so and i think there's there's kind of degrees of that uh, of of kind of completeness for that so like for for horns mm -hmm. of harlem for example right now i think that the mechanics we have designed are pretty tightly uh intertwined with building and managing a, a jazz band right mm -hmm. not necessarily in harlem or right. in the harlem renaissance but a jazz band right and right so that's most of the way there i think like right, how many right. publishers would look at that and be like uh okay but we're gonna set this in chicago right hopefully that's chicago's you know... rock bands like... right yeah. <laughs> um, yeah that's the thing that we're kind of the next part of the many next steps is trying to figure out how can we tie outside of of course like Sure, the board could be a map of Harlem, but that's not, you know, you could make the board a map of anywhere. So how can we really have that Harlem feel, whether it's in the mechanics uh, or well, I think, throughout the game? And I think part of that is just, you know, really putting a lot into your rationale behind why it is that, right? Um, you know, I think I think a game like the theme like Horns of Harlem set in the Harlem Renaissance is way more sellable and people would be interested, like, I don't mean sellable, publishable by a, a publisher who would see the value in that than 10 years ago, right? Where they were like, no, we're making these very specific games with either super Ameritrashy themes or, you know, <laughs> hero stuff, right? Um, I, I think that the idea that, like, a game could focus on a culture or a time is people are realizing that's important right and that like representation matters and you know getting games that are you know highlighting different facets of 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 culture and things like that are super duper important right um i absolutely think that more and more publishers are understanding that at least the ones that you know you'd want to work with right yeah. <laughs> i think there's some that aren't but we wouldn't want to work with those publishers anyways so um so yeah i i think that um you know i if you have like okay this is definitely going to be a, a a game about you know forming a jazz band like it would take a pretty spiteful publisher to be like okay we're going to do it but it's not going to be set in harlem right like right what, what why would they do that right you know um so it's it's actually a stone age jazz band it's gonna be great it's like playing on the rocks and stuff you know yeah prehistoric horns um yeah or set in space a band in right. space yeah. <laughs> horns in space <laughs> in space no one can hear you scat um so yeah there's that um anyways so <laughs> but but no, I, I, I 100% am on board with the idea that, you know, you want like this, the thematic, the idea of thematic consonants is, is perfect, right? Because it also does things like you said, it makes it, it's the opposite of the dissonance where it makes it easy to remember the rules, right? Because, oh yeah, I do this next, which makes sense because I'm doing this, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I do want to shout out that like, it's totally cool if you're not the type of designer that cares a lot about theme, right? I mean, I certainly... I, there's a game right now that we're trying to get signed and there's a publisher interested in it. And like, they were like, so this theme, like, how do you feel about the theme? And we were like, well, it's the best we could think of. 
like but like you could totally change it like i mean it's about like 3d tiles and laying these 3d tiles and like it's like we want the game to have some sort of topography in it like that's you know like because it's about making this topography but like beyond that like i I don't care what the theme is you know Mm -hmm. um so i think it's it's really about knowing what matters to you for a specific game you know um but i think for a lot you know some of us it's always going to be theme on most of our stuff right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point i can think of when i think of the designs that i'm working on right now i think i'm like half and half for like ones i feel like Mm -hmm. the theme is really important and i would not want to change it under any circumstances and then the other half yeah you know (laughs) keep the mechanics but you could stop something else on the front i'd be okay with it within reason there is always like "Mm, yeah yeah, no that's not for me right right uh, for the most part you know it could be something else and that would be okay and and i think it's okay to to switch in a game so there's a game that i'm working on right now that had like um like a super like i hate to use the word gritty but like it had like a realistic theme it was about like survival and it was you know but like the core system in this game we found if you just the system was the the core mechanics of the game were like really really good like we are in love with them but we realized that like if you just pull them out of the survival game they're like actually really fit for a party game which i know doesn't make any sense but the, it's a it's a communication system and you're trying to locate something with this communication system and like we had like we we shoehorned this communication system in and everybody loved it. And then what we found was like, but everybody's like, they're liking the other portions of the game, but they feel like these two things aren't together. And finally we just had to be like, okay, like I, I was being very precious about the theme. Cause the, I was like, the theme is what came up had me come up with, with the start of the game. And, and we finally said, what if we just take this out, remove the theme and change it to be this. And now we've got a game that we feel like is a super solid party game. Um, using the same exact core mechanics um which i know sounds crazy but i don't want to because it's a co-design i don't want to just blab a bunch of stuff about it on the air because mm-hmm. i want my co-designer to be here for going to talk about it but um but like it, it's it clearly i think what it says is that the theme like the theme wasn't actually working specifically with that mechanic and we just didn't want to see it and then when we did we were like oh my gosh like this changes everything um and all the struggles with the game just vanished Mm -hmm. um so so yeah and if if a publisher came in and said well we're going to tweak this theme i don't think we would care as long as the core of this communication system now stayed because that's what's that's what's fun about the game so so yeah yeah that's just a thought that i had that kind of fits on this topic i feel like so I guess you kind of think of in Horns of Harlem, we had, um, I mean, because in line with growing a band and doing performances, well, you know, you perform somewhere, you get money. And so we had money in the game since inception, I want to say. And recently we made a decision so. to remove the currency and use something else for, for currency instead. Work replacement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny how like things sped up things uh other mechanics kind of fit better that way um and it was just the idea the notion of having money seemed to be so corded like you're playing a gig you need to get paid somehow and so mm-hmm. you should have money and then you have to hire people so you should pay yeah. money to hire people seems like you need money yeah right yeah but no <laughs> it still makes sense without it and it flows a lot better without it so mm-hmm. that whole like it really is a you know some things you can be really tied down to and firm with but then other things it's like a it still doesn't hurt to reevaluate some things and maybe it's really not serving you the way you thought it was before that's a good point and that's even something where like obviously you gave like three reasons right there why money made sense thematically and was justified but that doesn't mean it was the right answer right Mm -hmm. um it's funny because what I was going to say was like as kind of a final note from myself on my thoughts on this was uh, was the kind of the opposite of that, which was <laughs> I feel like if you're stuck on a game, right? Like if you're stuck and you're not sure where to go with your game and especially if it's something a little further and, you know, that you've been working on for a while, 
a lot of the times, though Raven has just proven not all the time, but <laughs> a lot of the times, I think it's worth saying, like, what is missing from this theme here, right? Like, what part of this game, like, what is not working here? And the first question should be, are we hitting the theme of it? Um, I'm working on a game with uh, one of my other co-designers, Kelly Hoagland, uh, that we've talked about on the show a lot called Minecart Madness. And and one of the issues we ran into was like we the game had gotten very thinky and you're like racing these mine carts through these through these abandoned mine shafts, collecting treasure and stuff and and using powers to try and escape. And and like one of the things that we felt like all of a sudden we realized was lost in the game was like, where's the madness? Right. Like this just feels like a real strat strategic, like move yourself around and try and like optimize your turns but it doesn't feel crazy anymore. Like, and it felt crazy when we started. So how do we get back to that? So we stripped some stuff out and we were able to take it right back to that. And now it feels great when we're playing it because it feels like it captures that madness of the theme rather than just, you know, just this strategic movement, which could have been anything, but probably shouldn't have been called minecart madness, you know? So, yeah. Any other final thoughts on the topic, Clarence, before we move on to uh, chat about one of your games? Oh, I think that, that about covers it for me. <clears throat> awesome, awesome. This was a really interesting thing to talk about. I appreciate you bringing it. So you, Andrew. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so you have a game coming out, uh, theoretically, in the not-too-distant future here. Um, and uh, I would love to uh, I'd love to hear about it. I I've heard a little from you, and it sounds uh, sounds like there's a lot of theme in it. Um, not surprisingly, <laughs> and it sounds really cool. Yeah. So, uh, so I have a game that I, um, co-designed with, uh, Ashwin Kamath and it's called the wolves. Uh, and it will be, uh, coming out soon from Pandasaurus. Uh, and it may, uh, or should be at, or was at Essen, depending on when this airs, uh, <laughs> as well for anybody, uh, that might be there. Uh, but the idea is that uh, you are controlling a pack of wolves and you are going to be uh, uh, recruiting wolves into your pack and claiming territory, building dens, hunting prey. Uh, it's kind of a medium weight area control on a, on a hex grid um, paired with a, a really unique um, puzzly action system. Um, so the way the, the action system works is, is tied to the, the hex grid. <clears throat> Basically, the hex grid has um, each each hex has a terrain type. Uh, so there's five different terrain types, uh, like tundra, forest, grass, mountain, and desert. Mm -hmm. And um, so each player has uh, a set of double-sided terrain cards uh, in front of them. And those terrain cards determine uh, what you can do, or more specifically, where you can do things on your turn. Mm -hmm. So like... Uh, to move to the grass, you have to have uh, a grass tile in front of you, and you have to flip it over, right? Um, and then to take other actions, it requires uh, more than one of those. So like to build a den on the desert, you have to have two desert tiles in front of you, and you have to flip those over. And then each uh, tile has a different terrain on the, uh, the other side. Um, and then additionally, there's also uh, each player's is sort of a has kind of a sort of a uh, a home terrain that they're like the most powerful in this one terrain type. So they have a sixth um, terrain tile that's double sided with just that that home terrain on both sides. So it's much hmm. easier for you to do things in your home terrain. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, I love the idea of building a pack of wolves. That sounds super cool. <laughs> and um, so yeah, Pandasaurus. Uh, mm -hmm should be out in the near future um what kind of like is it is big game hex grid so is it a big uh bigger game medium uh, it's size medium size it's uh like 50 dollar msrp that's what okay. they're looking at so i mean there's a there's a bunch of little meeples and tokens and stuff and it's a modular board with a bunch of weird like uh hex shape things nice that's cool <laughs> that's very cool yeah I like modular boards. Are the meeples like wolf meeples? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's great. It'd be weird if they were people meeples. You'd be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The theme is really important here. We've got all these these people pretending to be wolves. Like that feels weird. 
<laughs> that sounds great. No, that sounds great. I will absolutely have to check that out. I'm super into that theme. Um, awesome. Well, hey, thank you too again for coming and hanging out tonight. This was a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, listeners, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, uh, you can, of course, go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. There you can find a link to our Discord. Uh, come hang out with us on our Discord. Uh, you can also email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at podcastbtg. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Raven is at underscore Raven McKenzie. And um, Clarence is at Stoic Hamster. And uh, you can find us all there and uh, follow us and hang out. That's always super fun. And we hope you come back every single week, as always. But until next time, good night. 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 Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.